All right, well, I am super excited uh, this morning because we're jumping into a new series, if you haven't figured that out already, uh, that we're calling The Response. And as we kind of go through this series for the next few weeks together, what we're going to look at is just some really key Christmas texts in Scripture um, that really show us how we are to respond to the incarnation, which is uh, coming from the, the Latin root carn, right? Flesh, God becoming flesh. And as scripture says, dwelling among us. And so this morning will be a bit of an introduction to this, this series that we're calling The Response. So it'll be a good time together. Uh, you want to take a walk with me down memory lane for a second? I think you might enjoy this. It was Christmas Day, and I was a middle school punk. And uh, back then, my hair was long and parted in the middle. It really shouldn't have been. It really shouldn't have been. And shaved underneath. I promise you, that was cool back then, believe it or not. That was actually cool. And uh, all I wanted for Christmas this year, all I wanted was a drum set. Desperately wanted a drum set. And I was actually 99% certain that I was getting a drum set. My parents had taken me to check out some sets. And, and I showed them the color I wanted, the kind I wanted. And so I was, I was super convinced this was the year I was getting a drum set. And kind of the way it worked in my family is, is there were three kids, and so there was a $100 spending limit per kid for Christmas. And every kid in our, our childhood, we all got one exception. So for me, my exception was the drum set. I knew this was the year. It just had to be, right? And so also the way it worked was, was all of our, our rooms were on, the, on the, the second floor of our house. The first floor is the living room, the Christmas tree. And Santa Claus, would, he would wrap all the gifts, right? And then except for the big gifts, he would leave out, right, in the living room. And so what would happen is when we wake up in the morning, wake everybody up at like 5 in the morning, you know how that goes, right? We wake them all up, and everybody would get up pretty quickly, except for my grandmother, who we just, we, sometimes we thought she just, you know, she was a goner. Wake up, please! And, get, and we'd have to rip her out of bed. And, and finally she'd get up. And then what would happen is all the adults would go downstairs to the bottom of the stairwell, and they would look up to the top of the stairwell, where us kids were forced to stay. And we're just, you know, we were like a bunch of, you know, like bulls at a rodeo. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still in this Texas thing here. We're like a bunch of bulls at a rodeo kind of waiting at the gate to, to get out, you know. And so they'd make us sit up there until we'd have our annual picture at the top of the stairs. And we just love that, looking through those pictures now, just watching us grow year to year to year, watching my hair morph and, and all that good stuff, and, and watching my brother go from short and chunky to tall and skinny. It was just, we love looking at those, at those, uh, at those pictures. And so we would be waiting at the top, and, and then what would happen? They'd take the picture, and they prolonged it. They, they had so much fun with it, just making us wait. And finally, they'd take the picture, and my mom would say, okay, you can go. And we would just dive down the stairs. and like, I, I don't care if my sister was six years younger than me. I just beat her going down the stairs. We'd go rushing in, and sure enough, we'd go rushing in, and my brother and sister are, oh, a Game Boy, a My Size Barbie. I don't know if it was My Size Barbie, something like that, right? Something crazy. And then I'm like, oh. And all it was was this little toy drum set made for preschoolers, and I was crushed. I was crushed. And I tried so hard to make it look like I was grateful and appreciative, but you can feel my pain right now. I was convinced that I was getting this drum set, and my mom said, Joshua, she always calls me Joshua still today, Joshua, um, money was tight this year, and so what we thought is we could get you this drum set, you could put it on on your, your, your dresser in your bedroom and you could look at it and it could motivate you to save your money to get a drum set. And how much more special will it be if you bought it yourself and how much better 
care will you take of it if, if you bought it yourself? And I'm like, thanks, Mom. That's so thoughtful of, of you. And, 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 oh, man, I was just absolutely, I was absolutely crushed, just, just crushed. And uh, you ever been there before? You know, Grandma, you know, you're, you're excited to get a cool present from Grandma, and you rip into it, and it's that pair of socks. And my Grandma, it was the pair of socks with the rubbery stuff on the bottom, the, the no-slip grip, you know, socks. And so you're thinking, oh, and then, oh, thanks, Grandma. That's, you're the best. You're, you're the best. You just can't really, you can't really hide how you actually feel. The tone just really kind of shows um, how you really feel, the tone in your, your response. Well, you'll be glad to know the story of, of Christmas Seventh grade, this middle school punk with the ugly hair goes on, and it seemed like an eternity later, it's probably only like an hour later, what seemed like an eternity later, my, my parents are watching everybody ripping their gifts, and they're finally, oh, Josh, we have an envelope for you. And so they give me this envelope, and I rip into it, and it has a clue. And the clue leads me to the mailbox, which leads me to the laundry room, which leads me to the garage, which leads me to the basement, to the refrigerator, to my bedroom, to my parents' bedroom, and then finally to the walk-in closet. And I barge into the walk-in closet, and the anticipation has been building. And sure enough, my drum set is right there. And I'm like, yeah! And I, just as middle school punk, I, I went from so depressed, sinking into this terrible seventh grade depression to this, I was literally jumping and screaming and like ripping. I was just, ah, it was awesome. I was so, so stinking excited. And I tell you, my parents know and knew from my response, right, that I loved this drum set. They knew that they did really, really well. And they actually know even today from my continued response that they did really, really well. See, what happened after that initial response, freaking out, I just couldn't hold it in. I was so excited. Moving into just days and weeks and months and even years later, just the sound of the drum set constantly filling our, our house to where they, they hated the drum set, right? That they, that they spent so much money buying for me. They knew that I loved it based on the fact that I took care of it. If anybody came near it, I would, you know, kind of be super protective and get, get cautious of my drum set. I, I, I invested in my drum set. I bought more hardware so that I could buy more cymbals and, and spent time and just really making this all it, all it could be. And so they knew that I loved it based on my initial response. And they knew that I loved it based on my, my ongoing, continued response. And so for our time together this morning and, and, and for the next few weeks, what I really want to ask us to do is just take this time to evaluate our hearts. I mean, Christmas is about Christ and the, and the gift of, of, of Jesus. And so whenever we open up a present this holiday season, and whenever we give a gift to somebody, let that image of, of the gift, let that point you back to Christ who is the ultimate ultimate Christmas gift. And so this Christmas season, I want to encourage us as we think on Jesus as the Christmas gift, then let's see how our response and our continued response, where we're at even today, um, really, what what does it indicate about us? Is it clear based on our continued response to this gift of Jesus that we love him and that we cherish him and that we really consider what he has given us as as Ryan talked about last week and as, as Ben talked about a few weeks prior do we really consider it an inheritance, a costly inheritance that he's, he's given us? And so what we'll do this morning, as you heard from Holly's reading, is we're going to look at another young teenager, um, a, a young girl, possibly even a middle school girl, and uh, we're going to look at her response to the ultimate Christmas gift to, to Christ. The girl is Mary. The gift is, of 
course, Jesus. So if you'll flip there to, to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and we'll jump in at verse 26 in a few minutes here. Luke chapter 1, 26. If you don't have a Bible, you can always grab one of those Bibles on your way in, and uh, we'd love for you to have that. Keep it if you don't have one of your own. On your way out, if you forgot to grab one and you need one, please take it and, and bring it home and break it in. That would make us really, really happy. So we're going to look at Mary and, and the gift of, of Christ, the gift that comes to all of us, but a special kind of unique gift for her in that she has the privilege to carry him. And so at this point in history, here's what's, what's been going on. The, the people of Israel have been waiting for this, this long-awaited Messiah, the one who was prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9, and elsewhere in Scripture. Those are probably the two primary ones. So let me just give you Isaiah chapter seven fourteen. You don't have to flip there, but just listen. Here's what it says. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Or how about Isaiah chapter 61, 1 and 2. Here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Isaiah is speaking this. It's prophetic though. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so in Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19, Jesus begins his, his earthly ministry and he begins in his hometown of Nazareth. And what he does is he quotes this text that I just read from Isaiah chapter 61. He quotes it, and what he does he then is he, he rolls up the text and sits down, and everybody just kind of is perplexed. Just imagine Jesus now, he is, he's done the scripture reading, he sits down at the synagogue, everybody's kind of looking like, what? Well, where did that scripture come from? That was kind of out of nowhere. They're all looking at him, and then he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he does fulfill that scripture by, by bringing about good news to the poor, by proclaiming liberty to the captives, those who are held captive to, to Satan and sin and death, and by moving forward and giving his life as a ransom, buying us out of the imprisonment that we are in for our sin doing so by, by dying on a cross. So he gives liberty and freedom for those who will place faith in, in him. And so that's Luke chapter 4. Here we are uh, today in Luke chapter 1, and they're waiting for this prophesied Messiah that Jesus says he is. And they're waiting for him to come and, and to come and, and, and be God with us. And so here we are this morning in this simple town of Nazareth with this, this simple virgin girl named Mary. So let's read it once again. And we'll take it a little bit slower. Let's read 1, verse 26, and and, and just a few verses on. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we'll stop here just for a second. The sixth month is referring, if you look at the whole context, it's not referring to the sixth month of that year. Uh, What it's referring to is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And we're going to see about that, Elizabeth, one of her kinswomen, later. So in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent to God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So she's betrothed to this guy named Joe of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. We've heard that a million times, but just let that sink. An angel is before you and says, You are favored, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So we'll stop there. Mary, as we kind of begin to see here, is this example of, of godliness. She has been one who has found favor with the Lord. She's also this example to us of, of obedience, especially in how she responds to the gift of Jesus. The gift that is for all of us, but for her, the gift to have the privilege of being the one to, to carry And so this Christmas season, again, I want us to just be thinking, let's be thinking about our response to to Jesus, to God in the flesh, the the gift of Emmanuel. And let's not have this be just another Christmas. It's never just another Christmas. This year is, is is an opportunity for all of us to say, okay, let's take this season and, and learn how we might respond to the coming of Christ in a, in a God-honoring way. And so what do, we learn, what do we learn of Mary here? Some of the things that we learn, if you want to glance back down, we learn that she's a virgin, that she's betrothed or engaged. And in that culture, it's not like engagement today where you can get engaged and then kind of learn if you're right for each other and then break it off. You know, it's not like that today. Once you were in that, that arrangement, you were, you were in. You might as well have been married. You're just not touching each other yet, if you know what I mean. And so they're, they're betrothed. They're engaged. And, and based on the culture of the day, they're, she's probably 13, 14, 15, or 16 years old, which is just crazy. And she's, she's likely getting married based on her parents' wishes to, for her to be married, maybe for, for economic reasons. We can kind of uh, assume this because Nazareth was this little simple town, very non-elite people, so they had economic struggles and issues, and they were under Roman oppression, probably having difficulty paying their, their taxes. And so we can know that she was probably in this arrangement, uh, betrothed to, to Joseph, just so that, that she could be taken care of. Her parents wanted her to be taken care of, I would imagine. And so now we have the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. Now the angel Gabriel is one of two angels in Scripture who is named, the other one being Lucifer, right? So we have uh, angel Gabriel and then there's Lucifer, of course. Gabriel appears to Mary. And can you just imagine this angel before you? You're stunned. And he says to, to Mary, favored one. She's soon to find out why she's favored. He tells her verse 30, look, he says, do not be afraid, Mary. In other words, okay, Mary, don't freak out. Don't freak out. You found favor with God and you're about to be pregnant. You're about to be pregnant. And he goes on, it's a boy, right? It's a boy, the long-awaited Emmanuel, the Messiah from Isaiah chapter 7 and 9. And I would encourage you, Isaiah 7 and 9, read those this season and just kind of maybe do some cross-referencing from Isaiah into uh, the New Testament. And I think you'll learn a lot of the prophesied uh, Messiah. So he's the Savior of the world. That's why I'm here, Mary, to tell you that you have the honor, the privilege to carry, to birth, to help raise the God-man. Can you imagine that? You have the, the privilege to help raise the God-man. God who has come in the flesh, who is still fully God, and who is fully man while on this earth. And that's just a lot to take in in one visit. Can you imagine? Just That's a lot to, to receive in, in, in one 
visit. Maybe some of you have had some good news that comes to you and, and it's just good, surprising news, but even still it just it hits you and you're just taken back and it takes a little while for it to kind of become a reality. Maybe, maybe he pops the question and you didn't know that he had even bought the ring yet. Or maybe you get a promotion, you didn't know that you were even in the running and so you're, you're excited but you're thinking about all the pressures that come with this. Maybe you're pregnant but you weren't planning on it and it's good news but you're, you're, you're like, oh my goodness. And, and, and maybe you've been there before. Now take that feeling and multiply it just by, by thousands. I mean, absolutely stunned. I mean, she's just, she's just stunned. And so what happens is naturally, you can imagine, Mary has questions, right? And so her question, verse 34, is um, how can this be because I am, am a virgin? And here's the thing. Here's what I want us to, to catch from this starting out here. Mary is probably excited but scared out of her mind on the same, same token, right? You've been here before. Now, now she really kind of has two options. She could run and say, what in the world? This is scary. And just take off running. Or she can ask the question to try to start to figure things out and try to understand. And, and for us, here's the thing. God oftentimes will call us to do things that are, are exciting and scary. Right? A lot of potential for big things that God can do, but at the same time, a lot of potential and risk for failure and ridicule. And it can be tough. And, and we have a couple of options. We can either run from God when he, he puts this to us, or we can press in and go deeper with God and say, okay, I don't fully get this, but let me ask, right? That's why James chapter 1, the scripture says, referring to trials and difficulties that we go through, that, that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. If, if you're confused, it's okay to ask God as long as you ask God with humility. Say, God, what, what's going on? So she says, how can this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit of God will come upon you and cause you to be pregnant. So that's why he's called the son of God because God, Mary, will cause you to be pregnant. Now this is a really important theological point here. Let's make sure we we get this theological point that it is necessary for the Messiah, for the Savior of the world, the one who redeems us, gives us our ransom. It is necessary for him to be sinless. He's, he, he has to be sinless. Otherwise, he can't, he can't die for us because he then deserves the, the death that we all deserve. So he can't die for us unless he's sinless. And so biblically, we're not just sinners simply because we have sinned. Do you get that? We're not just sinners because we have sinned, but we're also sinners because it has been inherited to us. We have what the Bible refers to often as a, as a, as a sin nature. That's why David says in Psalm 51 verse 5, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin, my mother conceived me. And so Jesus could not have an earthly father because that sin would have been passed down and he would have been sinful. And so he couldn't have an earthly father. Therefore, the Holy Spirit uh, causes Mary to be pregnant. The third person of the Trinity causes this miracle, not a man. And so we can have a sinless Savior who was not only sinless in how he lived, but sinless in how he was born. He was born of, of a virgin. So you can imagine, again, all these thoughts going through her mind. Just this news is crazy, and it's a lot to comprehend in one visit. And maybe for you, as you look at the Bible and, and some of the things that God calls you to do here, maybe as, as you um, come to church, you read the scriptures on your own time, you hang out with a Christian friend, maybe for you there's, there's some kind of, you know, the, just some revelation that God's given you from his word and from, from people as he, as he ministers to you through people in the scripture that, that maybe you need to do this or you need to live like this. And maybe for you, it's a lot to comprehend. And you're just thinking, oh my goodness, that's, that's totally natural. 
We can run or we can press in. And she presses in and asks questions. And he says, here's how it's going to work. Now, Gabriel goes on. Look at verses 36 and 37. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Wow. So she has this relative, and, and she's probably been to this relative's house before on their way um, for um, trips to Jerusalem, to the temple. She's probably passed by the relative's house before. And, and it says, your, your relative Elizabeth, who's older, she's, she's barren. She's now six months pregnant. So, so Mary, again, probably thinking, how is this, how is this possible? And then the, the angel goes on and says, nothing is impossible with God, Mary. And so let's slow down for a minute. Let's just think about Mary and Elizabeth, just for a few minutes if we can, just to kind of see just, again, how great this, this miracle is that God is, is, is doing here. See, they're, they're, they're these two women. God does a miracle through both of them, but they're, they're kind of opposites, right? You have Mary, who is young. You have Elizabeth, who is old. You have Mary, who is a virgin. Elizabeth, who is not. She's been trying, but they're, they're barren. You have Mary, who didn't try to get pregnant, and she gets pregnant. And, and, and then you have Elizabeth, who has tried and tried and tried and nothing, and then finally God does this and, and, and causes her to be pregnant. And so we see them as, as opposites, but here's what they also have, have in common. Both of them, Getting pregnant was a miracle for both of them. Also for both of them, they were from these really unremarkable towns. Even, even living in these small towns in their day and age was almost kind of shameful. A little opposite of today. See, small towns back then really kind of insinuated poverty where the elite would live in the city. Small towns equaled poverty. Now for most cities in our, in our country, maybe aside from Boston in a sense, most cities today, it's the opposite, where cities are equated with poverty and lower income people, maybe not so much in Boston, but there it was small towns are poverty, and today cities are poverty, so we have, have kind of, it's a little different than today. Also, what they had in common, they didn't have much money, they were lower income, they were also undervalued in their culture, right, older women were, were undervalued, especially if they were, they were barren or widowed, younger ladies were under, under, undervalued, especially because they were young, especially if they weren't married and didn't have have children, unlike today where youth is glorified and lifted up, different back then. Nonetheless, uh, they, they were undervalued in their culture, and God chooses them. And we see that all the time in Scripture, how God uses people who are just unremarkable, people who aren't you know, of, of any kind of special note. He just takes uh, ordinary people, and he uses them. And so for you, let that be hope. Maybe, maybe God is calling you to, to step it up, to live for him, to, to place faith in him. He's saying, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for your life. And let that be hope for you. That is, that is absolutely incredible that God would do that. He chooses Elizabeth to carry John the Baptist, who was prophesied about in Malachi chapter 3. John the Baptist, who would come and who would be the forerunner to Jesus. And that, so she's six months ahead pregnant here. He chose Mary to carry Jesus and Elizabeth to carry John the Baptist. These humble ladies for honorable, honorable tasks. But notice here, Elizabeth is already six months pregnant. This is, this is interesting. She's six months pregnant, and so she, she's looking to get pregnant, and God causes her to get pregnant. But notice that Mary isn't pregnant yet. Notice that she's not pregnant yet. The angel isn't coming to say, guess what, you're pregnant. The angel's coming to say, guess what, you're going to get pregnant. Notice, look at verse 31. You will conceive. You shall name him Jesus. Look at, down at verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come 
upon you. So she's not pregnant yet. And of course, she wasn't looking to get pregnant, but God calls her to be the prophesied virgin to carry Emmanuel. What's important to, to know that she's not pregnant yet is it kind of seems as though God is saying, hey, here's an opportunity for you to obey me. Here's an opportunity for you to obey me. And, and you're not pregnant yet. So verse 38, you get into a response given by, by Mary. But what I want us to note is that, yes, it's an honor to be pregnant. And so I think many, many of us kind of think, wow, what an honor. Wouldn't she just immediately, yes, 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 yes. Wouldn't anybody say, say yes to this? But, but I think she, she fully understands that with this honor also comes great difficulty. That's why we, if you read in Matthew chapter 1, you see that for a while, her, her fiancé would struggle with this, of course, right? He, he's, he's wondering, is she unfaithful? Has she, she slept with another man? Has she cheated on me, right? They're in a small town, and so you can imagine just people gossiping and how, how word just travels fast. You can imagine that. People are going to assume that she's been with somebody else. People would, would refer to her son, Jesus, God of the universe, as, as an illegitimate child. It wasn't going to be easy. It was honorable, but it comes with, with great difficulty. But here's her response, nonetheless, despite the difficulty. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So listen, I, w- I want us to know that for us today, Jesus is a great gift. A great gift. And following Jesus, I want to stand up here and tell you over and over and over again that, that I implore you to follow Jesus based on the scriptures, based on my, my short life experience. I want to implore you to follow Jesus. He is an incredible gift. However, it will not always be easy. So it's easy to, to stand up here like a sal- salesman and, and try to be this smooth talker and to tell you he's incredible, he's awesome, and just kind of leave out the stuff that's, that's difficult. But listen, you need to know that. It's going to be difficult because what happens so often is people say, yes, I want Jesus. I'll take Jesus. He's incredible. Yeah, that's great. And what happens is, is sometime down the road when the difficulty comes, they say, what happened? I'm following Jesus, right? Now you look in the scriptures and you see that people who followed Jesus, including Jesus himself, didn't have it easy just because they followed Jesus. What they have is they have hope and what they have is they know that this is preparing me for what's to come so that I can greater enjoy and greater glorify the Lord because I know that my hope is in heaven. I know that I'm an alien, so to speak, on this earth and that my citizenship is in heaven. It's incredible. And so again, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Jesus is a gift that I, I, would, I would say take it, respond to him with great joy. But no, it is a gift that, that with him comes responsibility, a gift that with him comes challenge and, 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 and difficulty. And so it was an honorable gift for her to be the chosen virgin. And she said yes, but she understood with it comes difficulty. She says, I am the, the servant of the Lord, right? Not just I'm the privileged one of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm now the Lord's queen or something. No, she says, I'm a servant. I understand that this is going to be tough. So yes, God, and, and I will serve you in this way. I understand that this is not going to be easy. That's why in, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is growing up now as a as his uh, human man, and, and, and he grows up and he says that the gate is narrow, right? And the path is hard, and there are few who find it. So as you give your life to Christ and as you follow Christ, you will find yourself looking around and saying, this isn't easy. <laughs> this isn't necessarily easy, but the Bible says that that path leads to life. And the broad path leads to destruction. 
And so you may be alone, but you can also know that it leads to life. And, and so it's very important. Another, another gift that I think really kind of helps depict this for us is the gift of a proposal or of a ring. I'll never, I'll never forget proposing to my now wife, Becky, on uh, the pier at the Boston Harbor. Saved up a lot of money. I ate tons and tons of leftover pizza, right? I was a delivery boy, and so I ate all the leftover pizza, right? And, 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 and starved myself so that I could save up money and, and buy my wife this, this ring. I spent my life savings on the most expensive purchase up to that date that I had ever, ever bought. And uh, so seven years ago, we're, we're at the Boston Harbor. We're praying together, and we're just saying, God, if you would ever have us to be used here in Boston. God, if you would do something great with us here in Boston, we're ready for it. We're praying together, having my arms around her as we're kind of praying like this. And as soon as I said amen, she finds me hopping down on my knee and, and asking her to, to marry me. And of course she said yes. Of course she said yes. But listen, she knew, she knew that it's more than just a ring. Don't get me wrong, she wanted the bling. She wanted it. But she knew that it was so much more than, than just a ring. She knew that I was asking for her commitment and I was pledging to her my commitment, that I, that I chose her and I wanted to spend my entire life with her. She got that. And, and so listen, in a sense, God is saying to you, listen, I'm giving you something great, but you have to know that with this gift, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you for commitment. I'm calling you for faith that leads to action. And so that's what God calls us to. And so will you take this gift? What will be your response and your continued response to the gift of, of Christ? He's given you an incredible one, but what will be your, your response? And many Christians have said, yes, I want the bling, right? I want heaven. I want forgiveness of sins. I want what the Bible talks about, the abundant life. But they think that's all it's about. And they fail to realize that more than the bling, there's also a narrow road on, on, on this earth for a time. There's also the call of God to live for him and, and to follow him, him faithfully. And so many Christians say, I got the bling, I got the, the heaven, but I don't know that I'm really living committed to him. And I'm telling you, kind of like that drum set, if you love the gift, if you love the gift, you will cherish the gift. You will protect the gift like I did with the drum set. You'll spend time with it, right? You'll spend time with the Lord in prayer and in, in scripture. And you'll just say, I just want this. I want more of this. You, you continually give uh, an affirming response. As I protected my drum set and I, I was careful that nobody would mess this thing up, right? We protect our Christ, meaning we, we protect his reputation by, by living for him, right? We don't want to bring reproach on his name. And so what happens is is personal holiness starts to become something really important to us. Personal holiness is something that we, we look for and we strive for. You know, and, and see, listen, we don't earn the gift, but once we have the gift, the receiving of the gift, we're saying, I want to live in such a way that shows that I love this gift. I appreciate this gift. It is incredible to me. I invested in my drum set, right? I bought hardware for it. I bought symbols for it. I kept investing in it. Likewise, we invest in, in the gift of Christ by investing in his kingdom, whether it be our time, our, our service, our, our ability, our, our, our finances, whatever it may be, we're investing in this gift. And, and, and so we respond to this gift, Jesus, not just initially with, yes, this is awesome, but we also respond continually to this gift and we continue to live for him. And so I, I just want to ask us, this morning, I told you this was just a bit of an intro. What, what is your response and what has been your continued response? Will you continue to, to follow him? Will you be one 
to just follow him when it's convenient or will you be one to follow him wholeheartedly all the time? If, if, if Becky had pulled this number on me, it would have been terrible. What if, what if Becky at the altar were talking and, and doing our vows and, and she says, Josh, I take you to be my lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold until times get tough, right? I would say, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? What about the yes, yes, yes? She said, well, yes, 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 because I wanted that diamond, right? I mean, that would have been terrible, right? It, it, it's foolishness, but I think that's how many of us are with the Lord. It's like, yes, of course, God, I want you. Yes, I'll take that. I'll take that. But when it gets difficult, yeah, you could take him or leave him. And this is a precious gift, but it is, it is a gift that does demand our, our faith and our continued faith that leads to action in our commitment where we say, yes, Lord, I follow you, and I am your servant. I'm your, I'm your servant, so I want to live for you. And so this Christmas, let's just start thinking, what will be our continued response for us Christians who have given our lives to Christ and, and received the gift that he has given us? We didn't earn it. It's a gift. We received it. But what will be our continued response to this gift? And let's allow this season to really refocus us. Understand that, that, that Jesus, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says that, that as the Father has sent him into the world, even so he is sending us. And so Jesus was obedient. Jesus was obedient to God. And so the incarnation is about his obedience to God. And now he's saying, now I call you to be obedient. I call you the gift of me coming. I call you to live for it and, and to be sent of me and to live for me. And so Christians, there's the challenge. For those of us in the room who, who have never received this gift of Jesus, let me just give you some key scripture. Think about it. Dwell on it. Maybe you need, need to even respond on it today. But Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we're imperfect. So as we sing glory in the highest, that's God is glorious. We fall short of that glory. We fall short of, of God's standard. And so Romans 6.23 says, The wages of our sin are falling short is death. The result is, is death. It goes on though, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So Jesus wants to give you this gift this morning. And yes, it's a gift that you have to respond to and receive with joy, but it's also a gift that you say, yes, I'll take it, and I, I want to I live for Christ. And so this ultimate gift is for you this morning and being presented to you. And so would you say yes and trust in, in the gift that, that God is giving you in his son, Jesus, who died for you to make you right. So this morning I'd call you to that. Maybe you need to take that connection card and you just need to communicate to us, today I'm placing my faith in Jesus. I'm receiving that gift. Maybe you want to talk to me, talk to somebody afterwards about, about that gift. We'd love to, to talk more with you about that. But why don't we just take a second to pray? And uh, we'll jump back into a time of song.